Uh, I don't know. If we're gonna order. Yeah, do you want to? I guess them? we could start. We could start with McCain. Yeah, we probably need to address the McCain thing. Or at least I have a lot to say about McCain. So. Or um, what was the other church-related thing this week? Oh, Justin Bieber's thinking about starting a church. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Thinking Religion. I'm Thomas Whitley. Sam Harrelson. David Ray Allen. Nice, nice. So we have David Ray back with us um, for, let's see, so we can't, we weren't able to work it out for last week when I was in Philly um, because you were still traveling. You were actually kind of on the last leg of your trip um, before you came through Tallahassee and saw me, which was great. Um, but we got you back on the show this week. We're excited about that. We still got a lot more of the Thinking Religion Bible Bracket Challenge to do um, kind of a short show today, but we we can't kind of just jump into this without talking about some of the stuff that's uh, happening in the world around us. And um, I, th- I think we're all in agreement that the kind of biggest uh, development over the past week is um, r- it's related to uh, religion, to church, and it's that Justin Bieber is thinking about starting his own church. I'm so excited about, about this. I think um, I think it's going to be a positive thing for American Christianity. <laughs> and I think that it's going to, you know, really electrify the young people and get them interested again. It's kind of like when the Beatles got back together in 1976, you know, and it, it transformed that generation. Wait, that that didn't happen, did it? That did not happen yet. So did um <laughs> did did MC Hammer like start his own church too after his pop career? I don't know. So apparently Bieber has been on tour and is like gone off tour to like focus on his spirituality. And then sources close to them are saying that he's thinking about starting a church. I mean, which, like, what could go wrong, right? I, I like that he's focusing on his spirituality, but TMZ caught him, like, hanging out on the beach at Santa Monica or something. With I mean, that can be a spiritual experience. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, when I want to have some, some self-care, I, I just go over to Santa Monica Pier and knock a few back and work on my, my bro tan. Anyway, at least, at least you're not Jeff Sessions. That's all I got to say. Poor guy. Yeah, he is, you know, beleaguered Jeff Sessions, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to say about Sessions. Uh, there's a lot to say about the uh, healthcare votes that have been going on. Uh, it's it's rather confusing. There's also a lot to say about John McCain. Um, and and that to me is kind of the thing that really stood out this week as far as kind of all the political stuff is uh, that's been going on. Is obviously the announcement that. Um, John McCain actually has a, a glioblastoma, a cancerous tumor, <clears throat> brain tumor, which is very serious. A friend of mine's um, mother has it, and it's—I mean, it's—it's it's, it's very serious. So I, I definitely um, feel for the McCain family. Um, it's not something that you want anyone to go through. But but this past week has been kind of um, interesting. Was it just yesterday? Maybe I don't know where. Um, he gave this speech on you know the floor of the Senate that was basically denouncing you know, the process by which the health care bill has you know been pushed through and but this is right after he votes on the motion to proceed and then you know six hours before he votes to change the rules so that they can have um, so that this bill can actually get through. Um, but you have people, you have journalists 
you know, describing him as like a lion or an angry prophet and, and all of these just this just kind of amazing hagiography that's going on with John McCain when he ends up voting exactly the way that you would expect him to vote, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you would hope he would, if he felt that way, he would, he would work to leave a legacy, you know, that, that would kind of back that up. Or, you know, is he showing his true colors? Because he's not going to have to face another election. He's not going to have to face another committee assignment. You know, like, right. is this really who John McCain is? And I don't know, I get a little tired of the, you know, the, the white male explaining of, uh, of McCain as well. You know, he, he voted uh, for it so that he can vote against it when... <laughs> When the repeal right. comes up, and it's like, no, actually, that's not going to happen. And, and why would he do that? Like that—that that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, you know, not that any of this makes any sense, but I think John McCain in in 2000 was a different person than John McCain in 2017, or or maybe he was playing to the Bill Clintonites and and thought that was the path to whatever. Um, but yeah, this McCain, I um, I, I, I hope him all the best. Been- Sorry, go ahead. Sam. No, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I, don't want to I, just, I was just that. realizing, like, th- we're three-person podcasts where you're not looking at each other. It's really hard to know when to come in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just gotta. S- it's just like cool runnings, right? You just gotta. Yeah, exactly. You gotta feel it. You gotta, you know, feel the rhythm, feel the flow. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna add too that he hasn't had to answer yet for earlier in the earlier in the day. He said, "quote I will not vote for the bill as right. it is right now." Correct, and then uh, nothing changed. And six hours later, or nothing changed that we know of. Uh, and six hours later, he votes for it. So I'm I'm curious to see when, uh, when and if he is asked about that and and what he ends up saying. I mean, it's it's really interesting. I mean, he's obviously been really effective at kind of building a you know public transcript, so to speak, right? This kind of narrative around him. He's this maverick, and and he's obviously been really effective in that. Where and he's had a he's had a handful of kind of high profile votes where he has gone against his party, but I mean. If you look at his record over his time in the Senate, it's it's fairly predictable. He's pretty much always going to vote with the party, um, and, and it's just you know it presents a, a an even starker contrast right now with this vote on healthcare. Obviously, um, if you know that bill does get passed, then it takes you know it takes healthcare away from millions and millions of people, and it's obviously right after he's just had you know we would hope you know some of the best healthcare that he could get. Um, with you know his eye surgery and then finding out that he's been diagnosed with cancer and and so you know he's rushing back from really great health care to vote to take health care away from other people and you know i don't know everybody's kind of like hey if you 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 have something negative to say about john mccain just don't say it it's like well you know maybe he could like put his you know words you know put his actions where his words are um I don't know. Maybe he could walk the walk instead of just talking the talk. And I mean, giving a, a good speech that then makes a bunch of like old white people feel good about other old white people is that's not helping anybody. That's not doing anything. I don't know. I was just I don't. Know, I was particularly incensed at the the descriptions of him, like that he's a prophet. And it's like yeah, you know, prof, prophets don't normally get standing ovations. Yeah, right. hey, by, hey, hey. by the by the you know by the the priest in the temple. <laughs> well, you know the money changers, if you will. Right. So, last night I was uh, I was watching the the Trump rally in Ohio, where he didn't win, but he said he won in Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> Great town. Um, and he uh, let, let me find if I can. I wrote down some of the the choice quotes. It you know as much as we we get on the podcast and we we do the stuff and we talk about how 
you know, Dom Trump is or, or whatever, none of the message matters. You know, it's it's the same thing with like the Boy Scout uh, speech that, that Trump made. And Thomas, I know that was particularly sensitive to you. I don't, David Ray, I don't know if you're a scout or not, but, um, you know, that was, you know, wow, that, that was just terrible, you know, on, on a number of different levels. But it my, my conservative friends who I talk to say, well, yeah, I was just kidding. Like, don't, you know, I'll take this too seriously. And we, we I don't know. I, I think there's such a disconnect between, you know, the quote right and left uh, about these things. And, and the constant outrage back and forth is, is so palpable that it's hard to get anything done. You know, and, and the Congress right now is just a, a, a metaphor for all of this as we, you know, vote 20 times on Obamacare. And if they get it repealed, what are they going to do? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, we got to repeal. Now what? I don't know. But it doesn't matter. You know, it's just the message of saying, um, you know, we, we, we did it. So anyway, let's see. Uh, it, it, he said last night. But, oh, so Mariana preached on birthrights and, and Jacob uh, last week in, in church. And he was talking about America's birthright and reclaiming America's birthright. And it, it was kind of funny because it paralleled what she was preaching on in terms of like those who seek out the birthright or, you know, they're, they're doing it wrong, i.e. Jacob. Right. Um, yeah, let's see. We believe this is a Trump quote from last night. We believe judges should interpret the Constitution as written and not make up new meaning. We believe family and faith, not government bureaucracy, is the foundation of our American society. In America, we don't worship government. We worship God. And then for the peace, Taylor resistance in Trump's America, government will stand up for faith and defend our churches and our borders. Theological trust, yeah, therefore. And that, yeah, that we don't worship government, we worship God, is a line he's been trotting out over the past, you know, what, couple months now. Uh, that gets a lot of applause, but it's also obviously pretty problematic in a country that's supposed to have freedom of religion, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think you're right, that because, you know, we have this kind of constant outrage back and forth, we, we're not getting important things done, or at least most people aren't. But we here are thinking religion are getting important things done. I mean, right, I, I think our Thinking Religion Bible Bracket Challenge is uh, really important stuff. Well, it's, it's solving problems, you know, and that's what people want. They want to know what's the best book in the Bible, and we're going to yeah. tell them. And in, in Sam's America, Exodus will, will come out on top. Maybe Ezekiel. What about Second Samuel? Yeah. Oh, so many questions. I know. I know it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a little crazy. Okay. So let's let's get in let's let's get into um to uh, today's matchups. Uh, we're actually starting round two. So we have all the first round um uh, matchups have been have been decided. So we have all of our second round matchups set. Um, just as a reminder, uh, if you have forgotten or you haven't been yet, you're just jumping into the show now. You can go to challenge, which is c h a l l o n g e dot com slash thinking religion um so i guess it's like a wannabe french guy saying challenge <laughs> slash thinking yeah. religion and, or you can go to um, thinking.fm and or look at the show notes here and there's a link as well and we've got the we've got the link there Works so we're gonna do yeah. we're gonna do a handful of uh matchups uh of the kind of first uh, first of the second round matchups um so we'll try to, uh, if we can remember, um, reverse their, you know, change up the order of who picks first and who picks last. Um, and um, we'll try to do our math correctly, which we obviously have struggled with in the past here on this show. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, I want to let uh, David Ray actually start with the first matchup, which is the number one overall seed. So no pressure there. Ancient aliens. Ezekiel versus the number 64 overall seed, which is actually not the last seed because we have what, like 92 or 94 seeds. Yep. Um, 
Leviticus. So uh, Leviticus beat out Zephaniah in round one. So now we have Ezekiel versus Leviticus in round two. David Ray, what's your take on this matchup? So I have Ezekiel winning this matchup four to one. Um, I think it's completely irrelevant what me and Thomas think because Sam is probably going to tell us what's truth and real here. He's going to tell us uh, what he thinks, and then that's all that's going to matter because Ezekiel, obviously, the number one overall seed. What an honor there. Um, Ezekiel gets one automatic point because Ezekiel 23:20 includes the genitals that were like those of donkeys, and in my grading book, if you include that, it's an automatic point from the get-go. That's true. Um, Feet and genitals. Strong. Yeah. <laughs> that's just it's just there. Um, we talked about Leviticus already in the first round, so the the one the reason why I went ahead and gave them one point is because we're still talking about it today, whether or not we agree with what's being said in it, uh, or whether or not we currently adhere to what uh, is delineated in the book. We're still talking about it, so it's still relevant. That's why I'm giving it a point. Obviously, Ezekiel, far more entertaining. It is one of the more entertaining books in the Old Testament. Oh, yes. We get six visions from Ezekiel. Um, there's a lot of rage in it from uh, from God's perspective. The first two-thirds are obviously f- full of uh, rage, is the word I would use, and then you get a little bit of uh, hope there at the end. But all no hate no hate on Ezekiel whatsoever. Sam is, is right in his conviction in liking Ezekiel, and I'm giving it a 4-1 victory. Strong. Thomas, do you want to go next? That is strong. Yeah, I'll go next. So I actually have uh, some similar um, you know, thoughts on this matchup. Um, and I, I scored it 4-1 as well uh, for Ezekiel. For the same, gave Leviticus a point for basically the same reason. It's got real staying power, right? It's kind of always around. It's, it's, the, it's the book that everybody loves to hate. Uh, and and that, that's worth something. But, I mean, as you said, Ezekiel much more interesting. I mean, from the very opening scene in Ezekiel, you have this this fantastic vision of this fantastic, um, I, I don't even know, it's, it's, yeah, it's ancient aliens basically coming down. And you've got these four living creatures on the different sides of it. And it's like a lion on one side and an ox and a human and an eagle. And it has wings. I mean, it's just absolutely kind of amazing, this kind of chariot vision that Ezekiel has. So it gets you just right from the beginning, grabs you in, you're hooked. But then also, you know, you mentioned the, you know, the, the donkey genitals. That's obviously uh, kind of really strong there. The other thing, uh, the section that's really strong for me is Ezekiel 37, where you've got the Valley of the Dry Bones which is just kind of a really fantastic story. It gives you kind of really amazing visuals, seeing like, you know, just a valley of dry bones and then they're coming together and then you see sinews kind of attaching the bones together. Um, it's, it's, it's memorable, right? So, so when Ezekiel comes out, they come to play and you're going to remember having seen Ezekiel play. So really strong there, 4-1 for the number one overall seed for me as well. Yeah, it's tough. I, I wanted to go 5-0, but I mean, Leviticus is strong in its own right, so I'm, I'm going to just go 4-1 as well, um, now that I know it's going to comfortably win Ezekiel. Uh, <laughs> right. But Ezekiel 37-14 is one of my favorite verses. Uh, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Which is, you know, in reference to the dry bones thing, but like at the, um, which Holocaust? I think it's at Yad uh, Vashem? Is and, it Yad Vashem and, and, and Israel? Yeah, I think it's I think it's on that. Um, yeah, I mean Ezekiel's just such a fun book, and I love the the beginning uh, sort of 
Oracle Vision with, with the crazy ancient aliens uh, depictions of, uh, of of the Shekinah, which uh, Ezekiel's all right. consumed about. You know, the sort of the what's the um, I should have done more writing down of notes before. <laughs> uh, the Shekinah is kind of like the what the holiness, the the the, the um, like sort of the, vision of God, almost. Yeah, like kind of present, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like yeah. holiness, yeah. Um, so yeah, and and you know, Ezekiel was a prophet that was living in, you know, Babylon at the time. Where in Babylonia? I don't think he was in Babylon, but um, yeah. So it's got that different flair to it, as we talked about a couple of rounds ago with uh, some of the other books. So I, I love that as well. So you get some Babylonian mythology thrown in here. Um, Revelation comes back and and references uh, Ezekiel frequently with Gog and Magog. So there's a lot of playing around there. Uh, crazy uh, modern-day Southern Baptists like to talk about, you know, the, the judgment throne and, and the uh, the throne right. vision in Ezekiel. Right. So it's got a lot of cultural sway still, even though people don't always attribute it back to Ezekiel. Um, they use it through the lens of Revelation. But just for uh, the, the type of book it is and, and what it gives us, I'm going to go with 4-1 as well. So Ezekiel's going to roll on past Leviticus, which is a very strong book. And I'm you know, for those out there who are going to write angry tweets, Leviticus is a fantastic collection of, of law books. And yeah, it's boring. But uh, if you go into it knowing what you're getting into, then it's fascinating to, to look at some of the um, the parallels with, you know, with other ancient literature. But also, um, you know, it's, it's fun to cherry pick things out of Leviticus and throw them in the face of fundamentalists who want to take the Bible literally. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next matchup, I'll start with this this one, which is um, two books that actually both had first round buys, um, which seems appropriate to me. Second uh, Corinthians and Matthew. And here's the thing: this was actually this was somewhat of a tough matchup for me. Um, on the one hand, Second Corinthians is easy to forget, right? Because it's not First Corinthians. Now, the reality is, you know, we should probably number it 3rd Corinthians because in 1st Corinthians, Paul references another letter that would have been 1st Corinthians, et cetera. That doesn't matter. Um, but so it's kind of easy to forget because it's not 1st Corinthians. But there's something there's there's one section that per, to me is particularly strong in 2nd Corinthians. And that is the heavenly journey that that Paul talks about. Where he's like, he's like, um, I got a friend. Yeah, we'll call him a friend. And he had this journey. He got called up to the third heaven, and he starts talking about this. And everybody's like, come on, Paul, we know it's you, right? This is your kind of vision or your heavenly journey. Um, so it's really uh, kind of just kind of fascinating, right? Because it's not something um, that I think a lot of people think about when they think of Paul or when they think of just kind of canonical New Testament books, right? These kind of very obvious heavenly journey things and talking about levels of heaven and things like that. So I, I think that that's really strong from Second Corinthians, but it's going up against Matthew, which obviously has uh, as much staying power as any book in in the entire canon. Um so I've obviously got the Sermon on the Mount. You've obviously got the you know a version of the Nativity. You've got um, you know a version of the Passion. Um, so you've got a lot going on there. You've got the Great Commission and in, in Chapter Twenty Eight. One of the things that I like the most, though, about Matthew is how it comes out of the gate. It starts really strong with the genealogy. And hear me out. I know you're going to be thinking a list of names is horrible and it's boring and it's the last thing that I want to read. But there's some really fascinating stuff going on in this genealogy because it's not a genealogy that's really telling you who begat whom, 
right? Who is whose baby daddy? That's really not what the genealogy in Matthew is telling us. Instead, the genealogy in Matthew is making some larger points. And one of the points that, that I always would drive home in my class is the role of women in the genealogy in Matthew. Right, so you've got these women in there, and they all have kind of this connect. They've got a couple of different connections, but they've at least got this connection of kind of uh, interesting um, things, circumstances surrounding uh, sexual relationships that they may or may not have had. Right, it is kind of how I like to tie these women together. Um, so, so the role that women play in Matthew, uh, kind of right out the gate, is strong for me. Uh, so that kind of tips it for me. Uh, along with everything else, so I, I scored this Matthew three, Second Corinthians two. Okay, I'm recording that Matthew three, Second Corinthians two. Yeah, this is a tough one. Second um, Corinthians is. I'm, I'm not a huge Paul fan. I mean, Romans is fun, but you know, Second Second Corinthians is one of those that you you kind of can go all sorts of ways with, like you said, Thomas. So I won't recite all that, but I will say, Second um, Corinthians gets some extra points for me because of this. Then he moved on to, to quote, and here's a quote, 2 Corinthians 3.17, that's the whole ball game. Is that the one you like? Trump asked. <laughs> now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the, of the Lord is, there is liberty. Speaking at Liberty University, of course. So just because of that wonderful connection <laughs> to our modern day culture and all that that epitomizes with 2 Corinthians and Liberty University and our current state. Um, do, do you remember that speech? Yes. Way back in yes. back in January of 2016. I was I was figuring one of at least one of the three of us would bring that up when we talked about yeah, this. Yeah, I had it too. <laughs> we're going to we're going to protect Christianity. I can say that. I don't have to be politically correct. And, and he cursed in the speech as well. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to go. Um, I'm going to have to go four one for Matthew. Uh, I, I love Matthew 10. Um, you know, the, the whole book is fantastic. It's got five discourses trying to mirror the the Pentateuch. Uh, neat structure. Like a Moses, yeah. Yeah, you know, Jesus is kind of depicted as, you know, Jewish uh, in, in that sense. And, you know, how much water that holds depends on which divinity school you went to. But I, I do think that, you know, there are some clear ties to the community of Matthew and, and um, what we now call the Old Testament. Uh, and, and Jesus is kind of being set up as this new Moses figure that's going to lead us all, um, not necessarily to the promised land, but to the kingdom of God. And I think Matthew 10 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And you get the be wise as serpent, innocent as dove speak. Um, and Jesus really kind of doesn't pull any punches when he talks about the uh, the mission that he's sending the um, the, the the folks out on, the, the disciples, um, or in this case, the apostles, I guess, as he's sending them out. And, he, you know, he talks about shaking your, your sandals off if people don't uh, welcome you into town. But he also says, I've not come here to uh, bring peace. Uh, 1034, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword, which I kind of like that, Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to go with Matthew there. And uh, yeah, 4-1. So it's 7-3 now. So David Ray. Yeah, well, since this decision is in the books, I'll be quick. I had Matthew 4-1 to as well. Ah, okay. um, I had written down as a con for second Corinthians. Obviously it's the favorite book of the Bible for Trump. And I was hoping that you wouldn't say it because I was, I was really hoping that you guys had forgot it and I was just going to get to bring it out. Of the <laughs> um, yeah. And also well. the note that Thomas brought up, it's not actually second Corinthians. We have the reference to the letter of tears somewhere in the middle of second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Um, also when I was in new Testament class, one of the things we had to do was a lot of times we'd have quizzes where we'd get a random 
verse, and we'd have to try to identify which book of the Bible it was in. And I had the it's, hardest time with Second Corinthians. Um, that's such a good quiz to do, by the way. I love that one. It is. I know, and it's something I, like I would totally do it if I was teaching a class. So I can't get mad about it. But it's like uh, it's a great way to make sure people are actually reading it. Um, for Matthew. My notes were, I, I appreciate the fact that Matthew does something unique in his gospel, that he is uh, all about fulfilling Old Testament prophecies. You kind of get like this, Jesus is more, you, I think he's called the son of David quite often in Matthew. You kind of get like this new Moses kind of theme from him. Um, you get the Sermon on the Mount, which is obviously big in Christianity. And you, The only other con that I had for Matthew is that I believe only 20% of it is unique to Matthew, which is the <laughs> right. least of the three, obviously. Um, so Matthew was, I think, uh, was 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 less than was than less than Gospel of Luke, but I went for one Matthew. Second Corinthians is one of those. It's just hard for me to to get behind as something that should go far in this tournament. Great artist steal. Right. <laughs> yep. All right. So that's uh, seven eleven for Matthew and three four four for Second Corinthians. Wow, that was a lot. A lot more spread out than I thought. So it's going to be Ezekiel versus Matthew. That's going to be fun in round three. Okay, yeah. All right, so let's go quickly here. Gospel of Mary and Bell and the Dragon. I get to start this time. Gospel of Mary is problematic because it doesn't really exist. Um, well, sure it does. We have texts. <laughs> We're from Oxyrhynchus and stuff. We just It's just, um, you know, it's got l- lacunae in it. <sighs> um, Mary said... I saw the Lord in a vision, and I said to him, Lord, I saw you today in a vision. And he answered and said to me, Blessed are you that you did not waver at the sight of me, for where the mind is, there is the treasure. And I said to him, So now, Lord, does a person who sees a vision see it, perhaps through the soul or through the spirit? And we, we don't know what the answer is. Um, Andrew answered and said to the brethren, Say what you think concerning what she said, for I do not believe what the Savior said of this, for certainly these teachings are of other ideas. Anyway, it, it's kind of Gnostic. It's not, you know, full-blown, like, ninth order of, of you know, the Godhead-type Gnostic. But, um, I don't know. It, it's problematic just in terms of of origin and, and you know, I, I know Bart Ehrman and Karen King are, are kind of fans, and that kind of helps me have some validity there. But when I look at um, Bell and the Dragon, it's... You know, kind of got those qualities that we talked about last time. Um, and if you haven't listened to the last show, I'm not going to recite everything. But, but it's a, it's a wonderful little story. I eat a dragon. <laughs> You're a dragon, be a dragon. Game of Thrones. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go 3 2 Bell and the Dragon again. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. 3 2 Bell and the Dragon of Gospel Mary. All right, David Ray, why don't you go I next? I think I'm going to surprise people with my vote on this. I surprised myself, so I know I'm surprising you guys. Um, I, I So, obviously, I enjoy the Gospel of Mary. Um, it was found with Secret Book of John, Sophia of Jesus Christ, and act, a part of Act of Peter. So, most people tend to think it's Gnostic. However, it's not for sure, like you said, Sam. Karen King, one of the interesting things about what Karen King thinks about the Gospel of Mary is she thinks it was written like 150 years earlier than most people do. Yeah, I think most right. people date it at the turn of the second century. And, no, maybe it's so maybe it's 50 years later than most people do. Anyway, um, she she dates it like in the time of Christ, like literally thirty to thirty and forty CE, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I had in my notes. Um, 
it's a similar interaction that we see in Logian 114 of Gospel of Thomas where Peter is mad about Mary. Um, it, obviously, the story goes two different ways, but that's an interesting thing that we talked about a little bit in my uh, Gnosticism class a couple years ago. And um, also, like you said, we have a bunch of pages missing in the middle. Um, I think it's four, they say four pages or whatever, missing in the middle. Um, I went Bell and the Dragon 3-2 as well over Gospel of Mary. Wow, I'm surprised. I am too, that's what I'm saying. But, you, you know, like I said, if Donkey Balls get one point, then Dragon has to get at least two, right? Like, I think that's <laughs> how, how it goes. <laughs> I, I will agree that's with that. That's kind of my life motto, actually, David Ray. So. If you get that um, tattooed, then we'll then then we'll really know it's real, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> you've got an arm hey, left. So, um, so I mean, obviously, Bell and the Dragon um, holds. I mean, it's it's got a lot going on. I mean, there's a there's a reason that it made it out of the first round, um, <clears throat> for sure. Uh, and and over Habakkuk at that, which is you know um, <clears throat> nothing to you know to sneeze at, but I mean you're missing, I, I think the the par- potentially the most interesting part of what we have in the Gospel of Mary, which is Peter said to Mary, sister, we know that the Savior loved you more than the rest of women. Tell us the words of the Savior, what you remember, what you know, but we do not, nor That's have good. we heard them, right? So so. Mary is, I mean, this is definitely Gnostic in this in this realm because Mary is, she has received the secret knowledge from Jesus, and it is Mary that passes on the secret knowledge to the other disciples. Yeah, there's certainly tension that you get here, that potentially you get here, that you get in the Gospel of Thomas and some other places, um, but there, there are questions about which Mary is this referring to. It, I mean, it seems kind of pretty obvious to me it's Mary Magdalene. Um, there's obviously the you can infer from this um, maybe there is some sort of romantic love going on between Jesus and Mary. There's so much going on here. So much good Dan Brown fodder in uh, <laughs> this. And then also you have, you you know, kind of going on some other things, some other themes that we've had throughout um Throughout the uh, the Bible bracket challenge so far, I'm already ha- seen with Matthew as the role of women, and and so you have Mary here um, being the kind of keeper of the secret knowledge from Jesus, and her being the one that passes it on to the other disciples. Really strong placing for Mary there. I went four one Gospel of Mary over the Bell and the Dragon. Wow. Okay, so four to one. Bell and the Dragon's gonna. Oh, I'm sorry. Bell and the Dragon's gonna have seven. Gospel of Mary will come out of this with eight. Wow. Oh, just squeaked by. I'm wow. actually kind of happy that happened. Not gonna. Not gonna... <laughs> Oops, I recorded that. Oh, wrong. you picked it wrong. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. All right, so Gospel of Mary four one, Bell and the Dragon three three one. Oh, sorry. I, I validated the wrong. Oh, that's why I did it. Yeah, we we because of the bracket thing. Yeah, yeah we're, we're going by total score though. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, that's a close one. That's a really close one. Okay. Wow. I don't believe that. All right. Okay. Mary, all right. Let's see what do you want to do? You want to do two more matchups? You want to do? Yeah. What, you have time, D. Ray? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. okay. Two more matchups. So, um, let's see. I think I think you'll start this one, David Ray. Ezra versus Philippians. Yeah, I've. Yeah, I don't. I don't have very strong feelings about this matchup. Uh, <laughs> I went Philippians. Three to two over Ezra. Um, let's start with Ezra, I guess. Here's an inter- I was I want to pose this question to you guys. Actually, uh, this is an excerpt from 
I want I don't know which book it is. It says that it's an Old Testament book, uh, like a a reader, kind of like Airman's New Testament reader. That yeah. says you cannot tell the story of the Hebrew Bible without Ezra Nehemiah. Ezra Nehemiah. Yep. Probably true. Yeah, I gotta Very give them so. that. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I ended up going with two points there is because it is a critical piece. It's kind of the bookend, I guess you could say, uh, of the historical narrative that you get in the Hebrew Bible. Um, you get the rebuild of the temple. A con for it is that it was obviously originally Ezra Nehemiah. Um, and so that sep- I don't know if that's a con or not, but I guess I'm going to make it a con. You also have First Ezra, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is an essentially an alternate version of it in Greek, correct? That's right. Yeah, it was kind of... Um, Fitting it into kind of more apocalypse literature, but yeah, it's kind of a, a Greek version of Ezra, basically, or right. Ezra, Ezra Nehemiah. Philippians, you know, I've been doing, I've been giving away points for certain aspects of books, and you, you have four thirteen in Philippians, which obviously is yeah. probably the most memorized line in right. the New Testament. So I guess you got to give a point there. Um, an interesting thing that I did, that I noted when I was going through research is. Chapter 2, 5 through 6, and chapter 3, verse 10 are both big verses when it comes to determining Paul's Christology, um, as he has some interesting notes there on what the re- detailing the resurrection and like kind of um, what that means to him, which I didn't know, I guess, or hadn't picked up through the first time. So anyway, I decided Philippians 3, 2 over Ezra. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um <clears throat> So it's an interesting matchup because I'm kind of with you, not really strong feelings either way. Um, obviously, you have – it's a little bit odd, right, to – I mean, at least for me now to think of Ezra as a as separate from Nehemiah. But, you know, just looking at Ezra, you've obviously got the retelling you – know, or the telling of the rebuilding of the Second Temple, which is huge. Um, and, and it is really integral to kind of um, – I guess the larger narrative, if you would, of the the Hebrew Bible. With Philippians, you've got the Christ hymn we've already talked about, which is uh, huge and important. The other thing that, that is a bonus for me in Philippians is the autobiographical details we get in chapter three, right? And and you get so you get such a clear picture of Paul's humble bragging. Right. So he says, if anyone else has be, has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. Right. And he's like, just so you know, I'm pretty much the man, but I'm super humble about it. Right. So, but really interesting kind of autobiographical details there. And to me, it's just like kind of a really good snapshot of like, I think Paul's kind of personality. Um, and, and that's, that's good. Yeah. Maybe that's a positive, maybe it's a negative that could go either way. Um, so to, for me, it was kind of a toss up at that point, but honestly I had to, I had to lean toward Philippians because of the anti intermarriage stance that Ezra takes. Right, so so kind of vehemently against uh, Jews marrying non-Jews, uh, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm not such a big fan of that. So so for me, I went Philippians three uh, two over Ezra as well. Dang! All right, so we've got uh, Ezra at four, and Philippians at six. So I get to make the deciding call. That's yep. exciting. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's see, six. Not that I'm skewing my my votes. All right. Um, 
there was a band in the 90s called Better Than Ezra. Do you remember yes, that band? Yes, a fantastic band. That was a great album. Uh, it had like curtains on the front, and they had that song called Good. Yes. And, and the, the guitar was, was amazing. Anyway, um, okay, so Ezra is a meta book. You know, and, and yes, it's separated from Nehemiah. Nehemiah technically built the temple, but Nehemiah had Ezra read the Torah or the law to uh, all of Israel, it says. But yeah, and that gets depicted over and over again in artwork, including on a panel in the painted synagogue at Dor Europus. And I have that framed right here beside my, my desk in my office. So every time I look up and look left, there's Ezra reading the law. Might be Moses. We don't really know, but it, it, we like to think it's Ezra. Um, because Dory Ropas is over in Syria, it's, you know, there's there's the whole interplay between what's going on in, in uh, Babylon and what's going on back in uh, Jerusalem. Um, there's there's all kind of fun traditions about Ezra. You know, perhaps he wrote Chronicles, for instance. Um, we know he was fluent in Greek and and uh, and Aramaic, and part of Ezra is actually written in uh, Aramaic. So it's kind of a a neat composite book as well. Um, so just for the the huge role that Ezra plays, I mean, there's a tradition that he set up what became the Sanhedrin, effectively, as well as one of the first compositors of the Torah. You know, so when he re- reads the Torah, uh, he's actually one of the first to put it together after returning back to Jerusalem. Uh, Philippians is great, you know, nice book for all. The, uh, you know, I, I can't add anything else there. Um, I'm going to ding it because it's Paul, so I'm going to go four one Ezra. <laughs> Wow, so does that mean Ezra squeaks it out? Is that what happened there? So it's going to be uh, Philippians gets uh, 6, 7, Ezra 6, 8. Yeah, 8, 7 for Ezra. Wow, wow. so two close ones back-to-back to be interesting to see Ezra go up against the Gospel of Mary. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's not. Okay, wow. Yeah, let's do one more. Let's do one more. I think this will be quick. It's Romans versus the Apocryphon of John. Oh, you think it'll be quick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. David Ray has got the pocket front of John. All right, so who starts here? Uh, David Ray? No. Yeah. I'll I don't know. I know I started the last one, but I'll be uh, Yeah, you did. You did. I'm sorry. Thomas, Thomas, you start. Okay, honestly, so I love the Apocryphon of John. Um, it's a really good kind of, you know, maybe Sethian, Gnostic text, whatever. Um, I'm just a huge fan of like secret knowledge and Gnostic texts. And I, that's kind of, we understand all of this already. I think um, it's a really, you know, it's had kind of a big influence on uh, things that came after it. Um, you know, we get Yadavot showing up, but man, I just don't know. Like it, it, to me, there's just no way it overtakes Romans. Um, Romans is such an influential text. There's obviously some problematic passages in uh, chapter one, for sure. Um, but you've got the really interesting stuff going on in chapters nine through 11, where Paul is trying to figure out who is Israel and what does that mean? And what does it mean if, you know, you have Jews who don't accept, you know, his, you know, preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. And he kind of gives multiple answers to that question. What happens to them? It seems kind of like he's just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. And then finally in chapter 11, he just says, well, all Israel will be saved. And you're like, wait, hold on a second. What do you mean by Israel here? Because you've used this term here in one way, you've used it here in another way. And Paul's kind of like, yep, yep. <laughs> so at least how I read um, 1126 there is that 
Paul is trying to uh, basically say that all Israel, yes, however you understand that, will be saved, whatever that happens to mean. And this is kind of his like way out of this pickle. So um, I don't know. We, we obviously get the, uh, you know, um, a prominent place for women in Romans as well. And it's the closest thing we have to kind of Paul laying out kind of his full theology, which is uh, important because of the influence that it has later. Um, so for me, uh, I've, I've got four, one Romans over the Apocryphon of John. Wow. Apocryphon of John digging a hole early. Um, okay. So, Yes, on Romans. And, and we took that great class with Danny Goodman on Romans. So good, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could do we could do a whole, like, six-week series on Romans. Yeah, I mean, that's the hard part. You don't... No one wants to vote against Romans. Um, but if we're talking about better books, <laughs> I love the Apocryphon of John more than I love Romans. Um, because, like you said, I mean, you, you get the Yeltapod, you get, you get the cool... You know, secret knowledge stuff, but also you get, um, you know, Christ being the reason that that. Uh, well, uh, Adam. yeah, Adam, Adam makes Christ, Adam right? ate the fruit. Yep. Um. You know, and the female body is created afterwards, and it's it's just a, a a neat kind of retelling of a of a very conventional, well known story that ties. Christ in a very high Christology way back to creation, um, unlike anything else that that you know we, we have that's in the New Testament certainly, um, and even on the periphery of the New Testament. So the fact that we have this is really awesome, and the fact that um, there's such a, a developed Gnostic cosmology in the Apocryphon of John uh, to me trumps <laughs> uh, Paul's kind of half-assed theology in Romans. <laughs> So I'm wow. Gonna, <laughs> wow, we thought we angered Luke Twitter. Just wait till Roman's Twitter hears this. I'm going to go 3-2 for the Apocryphon of John. <laughs> Storing grenades. Trying to get the listenership up. <laughs> so it's... All right, so it's what's the view, count David, right? now? What's the count now? I think that's... We, um, we can't tell you that. No, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, <laughs> it's six, six for Romans. Yeah, and uh, four. four for Apocryphon of John. Yeah, okay. Be so, here, right? so I have Romans winning 3-2. to two. Um, and since I know that this is the apocryphon of John is losing, I want to go ahead and plug it, even though I know it's losing. I want to plug this for our <laughs> listeners real quick. Okay, you said you could do six weeks on Romans. You could do you could do a year on the apocryphon of John. Like that's not. I, I wish I was kidding. Um, it's just so well written. That's the most underestimated part of it. Like there, there are these like motifs of degradation from the top down, from the monad down to monad to Barbello all the way down to Sophia, then to Adam, of spiritual degradation, but it's even in gender. Like, Monad is genderless. Uh, so is Barbello. Then you have... Oh, it's just so There's so much into that book that it's just so well-written that I, I appreciate. It changes the Genesis narrative, as we've already talked about, with Adam and Christ being the one who makes Adam eat the apple and, and what that what that entails. Also, you it's in Against Heresies. Again, we're bringing this up again, but Irenaeus hates yep. the Apocryphon of John, like despises it. Which is uh, a really good reason to love it. Yeah. I know, right? Because right, it was yeah. so popular, yeah. right? Right. Um, and just the imagery in the beginning of, of the tale about how uh, Barbello is made by like this reflection of the first thought looking into the water. Like it's just, it's great stuff. But the reason why, I, and, and so 
I don't want to vote against Romans essentially where I'm at. It's like, <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter if you don't like it or not. Like it is arguably the most influential piece of the new Testament throughout history. Um, you know, people yeah. would call it the magnum. I guess it's fair to call it the magnum opus of Paul's work. You right. get the fullest picture of Paul's gospel as we've already, as we've already said. And even somebody who like me loves the apocryphal of John and could, and really think you could talk about it for you know an entire semester. I still have to side with Romans three two, and I think Romans will probably make a pretty good run in this uh, tournament. Even even if we don't like it, I think you have to appreciate what it what it has meant uh, for so many years. Yeah, yeah I mean, I looking looking at what it potentially has and its bracket coming up, um, I don't see how it doesn't get out of the third round. Maybe even the fourth. That's going to be. <clears throat> it's interesting. There's so much good stuff there. I'm actually kind of glad about that because. You know, we're going to get to talk about it a few different times. You have know, Paul asking for money. I mean, so much good stuff going on there that, that we'll need to address. Okay, so well, let's go, go ahead. ahead. Let's go ahead and knock out this next one then, so we'll know who Ryan okay. is going against. Because this is going to okay, take yeah, yeah. like good. literally All two right. seconds. <laughs> All right, Haggai versus Second Samuel. I'll start here. Um, Haggai, great kind of little prophetic book. Um, I, I want to say more about it, but honestly, I mean, obviously, Second Samuel is amazing. It's obviously one of Sam's favorite books for kind of obvious reasons. Um, but the thing that you're I'm just trying to trying to pick out like little things that stand out to me. Um, <laughs> in chapter six in Second Samuel, we've got the great scene where Uzzah touches the ark and then just dies. <laughs> <laughs> Oops! Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and I love that, obviously, thinking about Indiana Jones and, you know, all, all of the stuff kind of um, with with that as well. So for me, Second Samuel edges out Haggai 3-2. Hmm. 3-2. That's close. All right. I had you going 4-1. That's <laughs> my, my guesstimation. Uh, I'll go real quick. Haggai is fun. It's a, it's a great read. Second Samuel's again, one of my favorite books. So it's going to be 5-0 for uh, uh, Second Samuel. And... <laughs> I'll go in depth about Second Samuel when we get into Romans. How's yeah, that'll that? be good. That'll be good. That'll yeah. be that'll be a meaty matchup. Yeah. Yeah. What do you so got? This David, reason or? that when I told you guys before the show that I did the homework on six of them, that I wish I could, I would I would we continue this picture. I have like actual notes for the first five matchups, and then for the sixth one, I did not only did I not do notes, I didn't even write a score down because I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I will go. I will go four one Second Samuel and. Uh, I too look forward to the day that we get to hear the the full rationale between Sam's uh, love for Second Samuel. Yes, it's it's going to be good. I, so I ranked it way down just to uh, just to mess just, things up. It's a handicap, right? It means the 89th overall seed. Yeah, I definitely handicapped. And First Samuel is kind of down there too. Um, I mean Samuel and then Kings are, are that's my wheelhouse, I guess. But yeah, so Ezekiel, Matthew, Gospel of Mary versus Ezra, and then Romans versus Second Sam uh, so far in round three. Really good matchups in round three, yeah. Yeah, and next week is kind of, I don't know, we got Susanna and Joel, or Joel, Colossians and, and Esther, which is going to be really interesting. <laughs> uh, my wife, hopefully, is not going to listen. First uh, Chronicles and Judges, Psalm 151 and First John. So some, some you know, quote, lesser-known books coming up, but then we got Revelation and, uh, and, and 1 Corinthians as well, so... Keep listening. It's going to be a, a fun couple of weeks here. We'll be in round three probably. I don't know. It it won't take us too long to get out of round two, and then now we'll we'll probably some of the round two matchups we'll probably push through like we did the end of round one. Yeah, um, they're going to be on the NBCSN or yeah, Fox exactly. Three. Yeah, Fox Business. <laughs> Fox TV. Yeah, Fox <laughs> Business. Like they did to the NASCAR races. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, uh, thanks for thanks for playing along with us. Give us your feedback. Send all of your Romans hate mail to um, <laughs> Sam at thinking.fm. Um, <clears throat> seriously, uh, get in touch with us. We really enjoy this. Uh, tell us. Uh, we actually had some really good conversations on Twitter this week about how we how some of the matchups went last week where people are like, you're absolutely crazy. Um, so some really good, really good commentary uh, coming from the thinking religion, Twitterati there. So keep that up. Uh, you can find us, you can follow us on Twitter as always. Um, David Ray is David R. Allen Jr. Is that right? Correct. At David R. Allen Jr. On Twitter. I'm at Thomas Whitley. Sam is at Sam Harrelson. You can always find this great podcast at thinking.fm. <laughs> I'm home and uh, I downloaded the Tour de France video game for the PlayStation. So I'm, Definitely. I'm really, video being game? really productive. Huh. It is awesome. It's so cool. So is, is it like a, like you're racing? Yeah, oh yeah, you, and you get to control like other play. I, I can't even explain it without like getting a slight erection. So I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to stop.